0: Hello everybody, this is Mark Kumar, your lifestyle entrepreneur and a proud founder of Simple Podcast Cloud, a podcast hosting company that allows you to have one account and within that one account, you get everything unlimited. And to today's guest, I have another one of my dear friends, Larry, who is going to be sharing some valuable tips with you that's going to literally take your podcast game to a next level. So Larry, please take your time, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, hello, everyone.
1: My name once again is Larry Roberts, and I am the host of the Readily Random podcast and the owner of Readily Random Media. So I've been podcasting now for about five years. And, you know, in that five years, I've learned what to do and more importantly, what not to do. And uh, even today, I'm still living some of those what not to do's. But, uh, (laughs) it's you know, it's an evolutionary process as we go through the game. Once we get our foot in the door, once we start to get that taste of podcasting, once we get that, ooh, that excitement in our blood, we just can't stop. And before you know it, you're just knee-deep into podcasting, and you are just absorbing everything you can about it. And hopefully today I'll be able to share some information that you don't already know, or maybe even just give a tweak of a different perspective on things that you already do know. So, Mark, thank you so very much
0: for having me. I can't wait to go forward here. Oh man, I'll tell you what, it's truly my honor to have you five years veterans here on a podcast interview, so like I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of information out of you. So, so let's start with like when you first started your podcast, like the very, very, very episode, the very first episode that you recorded prior to that, walk me through that journey where like, okay, now I'm going to start my new podcast. I'm getting ready for my new episode. What was the thought process on that and what particular podcast niche did you pick to go into
1: first and foremost i i got started in the comedy genre uh, my first podcast was more of an interview based i had a co-host and it was somewhat interview based but a lot of times it was just me and my co-host riffing on each other back and forth as well but we brought in a variety of comics uh from the east coast from the west coast from all over the country and uh, we didn't just do comedians, but we did. We, we interviewed just anybody out there that kind of had something outlandish to share with the audience. So it was a lot of fun, um, but you're asking what we did before that first episode. And that first episode uh, never got released, by the way, even though we recorded it. And, and uh, I was inspired to podcast because, well, one, I was looking for a creative outlet. And I was actually going down the the, the road of voiceover work. So I was going to do some voiceovering and I did some, I I did a little bit and, and uh, took several voiceover courses and whatnot, but it just wasn't what I was looking for. For some reason, it wasn't filling that creative void for me, maybe because I wasn't any good at it. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Okay. So, uh, I had had folks going, hey, man, you've got to listen to this podcast. You've got to listen to this podcast. And they were telling me about Joe Rogan, and they were telling me about other comedians. And I was like, man, I'm not listening to some little podcast, whatever the heck that is. I don't even know what the, what is a podcast. I don't even know what it is. Eventually, though, I gave in, and I was listening to Joe Rogan, and, man, he had all the cat daddy comedians on there. And I was rolling. And then, of course, he has other people on there that are very intriguing as well. But what really got me was I'm 48 and I've always had a mouth on me and that mouth usually runs fairly unfiltered and it's gotten me in trouble over the years. And when I heard Joe Rogan and these other comedians on there saying things that I was like, what did they just say? And they're not getting in trouble and people are listening to this. Oh, this is for me. So. So that's what we did. I I hooked up with another comedian buddy of mine, and uh, we started off with the first podcast, and we went down that road. And lots of fun. uh, Even got some pretty quality traction out of the deal. Uh, Ended up taking that show on the road. Ended up taking it live on stage. We took it to internet radio as well here in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Well, it was on the internet, so it was everywhere, but the station was here in Dallas. And uh, I mean, it it blew up quite a bit. And in my co host, he went on to have and continues to have a very successful stand up career. But for me personally, it wasn't as fulfilling as I had hoped. I wanted something that made an impact, that made a difference, maybe. Um, I was still relatively sober. Uh, I'm seven years sober now. I had gone to rehab and gotten my life back in order. Uh, I was an alcoholic. And uh, I wanted to do something for those that had gone through similar changes in their lives and allowed them to share their story. And that's where Readily Random was actually born, was in that frame of mind and in that thought process. So that's how we started off. My very first guest, she was a recovered addict as well. And uh, the show over time started to evolve. And One of the cool things, uh, and I'm going to counter this in a minute, one of the cool things about being called readily random was that I could be random. Uh, I could interview uh, recovered addicts, uh, entrepreneurs, athletes, survivors, you name it, motivators, speakers, other podcasters even. And That gave me a lot of freedom there and eventually the show started to evolve into what it is today. Now, There's many, many podcasters that are probably listening to this right now going, Larry, but if you're Readily Random, what's your niche? How do you attract an audience? And I got to tell you, that's a phenomenal question because it is very, very difficult. You know, I mentioned when we first started that I'm still living some of my podcasting mistakes and Readily Random, although I love the show, it's doing very well, and I'm happy to be the host of such a diverse show it does not have a niche and therefore it's much more difficult to find my ideal audience. And that's something that I would recommend against. I would always recommend. And when I do talk to folks and I do uh, give consulting on starting new shows, I always say, man, let's find a niche. Let's find a niche. So uh, readily random is a great moniker uh, to say, Hey, this is what you don't do. So that's, (laughs) that's one of the big lessons that I've learned. And I continue to learn each and every day.
0: I find that a little ironic. You're like, hey, find your niche. And then you're like, I don't have a niche, but I'm telling you to find a niche, which is a good thing because I made the mistake. Don't make the mistake that I made. So that way you could become more successful kind of thing. That's pretty cool, man.
1: I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean,
0: you know, we we all make mistakes, but how many
1: of us? really own them you know what i mean
0: absolutely absolutely you know and <laughs> you know what i look at as a mistake is not really a mistake it's just a learning experience exactly you, that's all you, if you look at it, that from that point of view you would never make a mistake in your whole life okay i did something i learned something and was expecting something else but i learned if i do this i will not make get to where i want to go exactly so, All right. That's, that's pretty cool. So tell me a little bit about your gear kind of thing. So people who are just starting on, because let's start with what gear you start off with and what you have now. Uh, another major mistake. I started off with a, uh, a, a Yeti
1: Snowball, okay. which is literally it's a it's a mic that's in the shape of a ball and it's white. So they call it the Snowball. And it's a very, uh, it picks up a lot of room noise. It picks up a lot of everything. So getting good quality sound is very, very difficult with that type of microphone. So I would highly recommend against that. And I kept that mic for, I don't know, just a few episodes. And then I upgraded to an XLR slash USB mic, which is two different types of connectivity. And it was the ATR 2100 from Audio-Technica. Now that particular mic has been discontinued. They have one very, very similar that they released. I think it's just a tad more expensive than that one. But for me personally, right now in this day, in this moment, I would recommend the Samsung Q2U as the ultimate starter mic. It okay. sounds great. It's like 60 bucks. It's XLR. It's USB. And it is just a great little piece of equipment.
0: All right. So for those of you who may not know what the hell in the world is an XLR. <laughs> and then like, can you uh, uh, go on down like, what is the XLR? Somebody who's starting, like, I know what USB is because I'm used to plugging stuff into my computer and everything else. Sure. But how do I plug in XLR into my computer?
1: Well, now you're going to have to have an interface if you're using an XLR mic and that's kind of the convenience of using something like the Q2U because it is USB where you can plug it directly into your computer or it is XLR and if you can see on the camera, there's this connector right here. This is the XLR connection for this particular microphone that I'm using. When you have an XLR, you need to go into something called an audio interface of some sort whether that's a mixer, whether that's a soundboard, whether that's like a little Scarlett 2i2, which is just a little box that translates the signal uh, mm-hmm. to your computer, uh, or there are other options that you can use as well. Uh, it's most commonly used if you've ever been around any kind of musical instruments or anything, any live music, everything that you see there, those microphones and their amplifiers connect via uh, XLR.
0: Okay. And then you said something about the background noise. Obviously, I know for sure if you have a regular USB mic and things that like Snowball, Yeti, and those ones, they will definitely pick up everything. But the XLR one, how is it the background noise get minimized or is there things that you could do to minimize the background noise? Like for example, if I'm talking here, my neighbor down the street literally just started to cut the weeds or grass and things in nature sometimes it picks up sometimes it doesn't so how would you do that
1: well there's a couple of different ways that you can do it and there are different types of microphones some microphones are designed to pick up sound in a wide variety of areas such Uh as the snowball or even the yeti other mics they're designed to receive sound From one single direction, like the mic that I'm using now is the Shure SM7B, and I speak into the end of the microphone, and that's the only place that really picks up sound. Now you still have the opportunity to pick up some background noise, and I'm keeping this very entry level type of an explanation here. I don't want to get into the the science of sound and all that fun stuff because right. I'm not a scientist, but um <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, I'm just trying to help folks understand it at a very broken down level right. and because uh, let me let me veer off this for just one second then we'll come right back to the mic. That was one of my biggest frustrations when I started podcasting was that there was nothing that I could find that was super, super simple to understand. I hired consultants. I watched YouTube videos. I read books. I, I Every place I could get information, I would take bits and pieces and try to bring it all together in one cohesive uh, instruction, if you would, on how to start a podcast, publish a podcast, market a podcast, and all of the specifics that go along with that everything was kind of piece parted together for me and the way I like to do things now, and I'm going to go ahead and mention my course. I have a course that's out there on Udemy. Uh, it's called one plus one equals podcast. Now I don't say that because I'm necessarily marketing my course. Of course, I would love people to buy it, but at the same time, I say it because my goal in podcasting is to keep everything one plus one simple. I don't want to leave you with any questions or overload you with technical information that's really not pertinent for a beginner podcaster to get their show off the ground. And that's why I like to keep my explanation as wide open and as straightforward as possible. So now, back to the mic. What can we do to get rid of some background noise? Well, for one, you can start off by treating your room. Uh, There's a variety of different ways. Some people call it soundproofing, but there's really no such thing as soundproofing a room, not without building a custom studio. And even then, it's not totally soundproof. Uh, What you want to do is you want to record in an area that if is possible, away from a window, maybe in the center of the house, maybe even a closet. Hanging clothes make great sound absorbers, and they can help create a very good atmosphere for you to record in with minimal echo and minimal background noise. Uh, If you can't do that, there's a variety of different treatments you can put on your walls, you can hang curtains. My entire studio, I've got three walls full of curtains, and then on the far wall that you can't see here, I have sound treatments, uh, sound treatment panels, And then the door into this room is completely sound treated as well with panels. So um, I've done a lot to make my room as optimal as possible. Some folks may not want to go that far with it. That's why I'm saying that uh, a closet would work, but just try to record in times. If you have somebody mowing the yard, you generally know when your yard guy might show up, Uh, then don't record during those times. And also, it comes down to editing your audio once you record it, and we can talk about that if that's what you'd like to. to Absolutely, to- let's
0: let's keep on rolling with it. That was going to actually going with be my next thing because okay, you know cool. you're a pro podcaster, I'm a pro podcaster. We know how this goes. Let's go with it. Let's go to editing sure, part. Sure.
1: So once we've done everything we can do to treat our recording environment or our room. Uh, we record our podcast. Now, inevitably, there's going to be things that get into that recording that you really don't want there. Maybe right. you're breathing a little heavy, and all you can hear is that <sighs> every time somebody speaks, and you can you can erase that if you want to, just as an example. But that gets very distracting if you're doing that or if your guest is doing that after every phrase. So you're going to want to go back through and you're going to want to treat that audio, meaning you're going to want to eliminate some of these excess breathing noises, maybe even a uh, uh, the hum of the room, depending on what room you're in. So you're going to need a DAW or a DAW or a digital audio workspace. And I recommend using, and I still use to this day. I've tried a variety of others as well, but I still rely on Audacity. Really? Yes. 100%. And you know, I'm an Adobe kind of guy. So (laughs) I love Photoshop. I love Illustrator. I love just about everything Adobe does, but I, I just, I just love audacity because why? Because it keeps it simple. I have my process. I have all of my tips and tricks and techniques that I use in audacity. And that's where I like to keep it. It's free. It's versatile. It is robust, and it's very easy to learn and use. So I love Audacity. Check that one out. Now, the difference is, though, I do not I, I do record in Audacity, but not only in Audacity. Audacity is my backup recording. Now, I've kind of stepped my game up over the years, so I don't recommend maybe jumping in as deep as I am right now. But I use a Rodecaster Pro as my audio interface. Okay. And one of the cool things that the roadcaster pro does for me is it records multi-track audio and multi-track is so critical when it comes down to editing. You don't have to have it. I, I went many, many years with a single track recording, which I do not recommend because the editing is a nightmare, but the multi-track recording, what it does for you is it puts for instance, me on one audio track and then it puts Mark on one, audio track and then if I have a an an intro and an outro it puts each of those on its own audio track and you can balance out levels you can copy and paste different elements of the audio throughout the conversation if you think one piece may fit someplace better Uh, you just have so much more versatility with multi-track recording and I wouldn't trade my Ribcaster Pro for anything just for that simple
0: fact. (laughs) yeah definitely i haven't used the roadcaster pro yet because i'm trying to keep everything organized simple like i try to do everything minimalism yeah it's Mm -hmm. one thing plug and play and off you go but obviously i just started my podcasting thing like last year so you're doing it five years, so i have still a lot more to go so let's talk about like uh, when you create your content for your show let's just focus on the readily random podcast How do you go about creating it? And first of all, do you do the solopreneur? Is this you or interview-based? It's mostly like that. That's what I'm understanding. It's mostly like an interview-based kind of thing for that show?
1: Yeah, it's mostly interview-based. However, I do occasionally get out there and I do a little solo show. Uh, I, I did have solo segments that I did for several months. Uh, that I called 10 minutes in where my goal was to just come online and do 10 minutes every day and get my 10 minutes in for the audience. And man, that worked out great, but things got a little busy, things got a little hectic and it makes it difficult to get on go live every day, even though it's only for 10 minutes. But I'm thinking about bringing those back. I think those were very, very valuable. However, for readily random, yes, it is an interview based show, Um, I'll schedule uh, interviews throughout the week. I don't really have uh, any set day that I record on. I I offer recordings uh, Monday through Friday at certain times. Uh, I use Calendly to schedule my interviews. So, what someone can do is simply follow a link. They can pick the day and the time that's the most convenient for them, that allows them to come on the show. I get emailed. Everything, as you mentioned, is a process, it's all automated. I just get an alert saying, "Hey, now you have a podcast to record on Thursday at 6 p.m. So be there and be ready." So that's really, really cool. So I bring them on using Zoom. Uh, I do like to use Zoom for the interface for the video portion of the podcast. Uh, and actually, Zoom just released a new uh, a new release of Zoom, which allows you to improve the audio quality tremendously one of the good things to come out of this entire COVID experience is that Zoom has had to up their game because you have music teachers that are teaching over Zoom. But Zoom has a history of having really compressed and really poor audio quality. So it's very difficult for this type of instruction to take place. So they had to implement a policy and a procedure that allowed them to upgrade the sound quality now i haven't tested it because it literally just came out this past week and it has to be tweaked on both ends of the recording so uh, i am going to play with that and i'm looking forward to it if that works man that's
0: going to be awesome so <laughs> i have my hate and love relationship with June, zoom because i used to like when i started off the podcasting i started with the skype moved on to zoom then zoom for a while then i was like hey zoom is great it's awesome i love it and then i looked at the numbers of the like w- what rate they were recording it was like 50k like what the hell 50K? yeah k, like that's nothing and that's for those of you who may not know that's the kilohertz of the audio quality that it records but most podcasters they record it at minimum of 128 and then which is pretty decent quality, and then for those of you who are into music, they record up to, like, 192 and 256 and all that stuff, and I'm, like, I'm listening to it, I'm, like, it sounds fairly decent, it's not that bad, for somebody who's starting out, that's great, but for somebody who's been doing for, like, let's say, 15 podcasts and above, from there, like, I really don't like this quality, so, <laughs> so, so, it was, like, ah... Gosh, it's not the greatest for me personally, but now I moved on to another platform which we're using right now, which is StreamYard. I love their quality, because the video quality is amazing and the audio quality is even much better. And then that's just now I do only Yacht only, because I could do everything in there. They gave me two files, which is the video file, the audio file, and I just plug those in into my hosting and I'm good to go. So post-production is almost next to nothing.
1: Wow. That's really nice. That is, that's really nice. And you know, that's an approach that a lot of folks will choose to take is once they finish the episode, we'll go straight from, from recording to publish. And if you have a good quality conversation going with two individuals that are prepared to carry on that conversation on a professional level, then you can definitely do that as long as the rest of the audio quality is up to par. And you're right. Streamyard is phenomenal in that regard. Uh, I I don't know why I haven't made the change. To be honest with you, I, I think I've just been rebellious. I'm I'm not leaving Zoom. It's just
0: I love Zoom. It's uh, just I think I think what it is is just that their integration with currently it's just amazing because everything is automated. With the StreamYard, they haven't integrated with any of the platform. It's just solo platform. So if they could do that, I promise you, a lot of podcasts would be like, screw Jim, we're going to go with StreamYard, and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, and that's why, too. I,
1: the, the one thing I do like about Zoom is, although I don't use the audio from Zoom, I, I do record it. And, again, I use Audacity as, a, as one of my backups, and then I record it directly onto my Rodecaster, which the audio quality is next level there as well. Uh, But Zoom does make for a nice backup. Just in case I forgot to lean over here and hit this big green record button that's that's lit up going, hey, press me. Uh, If I forget that, which has happened, or if I forget to fire up Audacity, it's good to know that I can rely on Zoom to at least record the conversation. Then in my DAW, I can turn around and maybe I can make it sound a little bit better and clean it up. But the thing is, I at least have my episode that I forgot to hit record
0: on. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm I'm so glad to hear that you use backup over backup over backup. Most people like I just have, let's say, for example, Zoom and I'm good. Like, yeah. They don't even think of the backup part because those are the people who are just starting out like, I just want to get this done and let's see how it goes. And then, you know, 15 episode in, like maybe I should try to improve the quality. Maybe I should have a backup. Maybe I should get another better mic or better software or better framework and things of that nature. So can you walk, to, walk us through with... You're, well, you say you just use Audacity for your post-production, right? So mm-hmm. do you do a lot of post-production stuff or is it just like very min- minimum things and that's that? And how long does it take you to edit an episode?
1: Too long. Too- <laughs> <laughs> it takes too long, man. You know, here's my thing. And it, it, if I could just record and, and put it out there, I've done that before. And uh, I can only do it for so long. There's this this burning desire in me to make it sound as perfect as I possibly can. Okay. Um, so it generally takes me a for every half hour of recording about an hour of editing. So I'm I'm probably two hours of editing into each episode.
0: Well, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. Like when I first started, it took me literally for the first three episodes, eight hours, which is painful. That wow. is painful. That was painful. I was like, that's what, like, there has to be a better framework, a better system that I can follow that I would get my whole Saturday back, <laughs> not editing. Exactly.
1: And even then, there's still, you know, like I was editing this morning before we, we jumped on the call, and that's exactly what my Saturday was, you know, my Saturday morning is going to be is, is editing then I'm going to create content to support the episode. So my Saturday is still filled with content creation. I'm still going to do cover art for the episode that I'm editing. I'm still going to finish editing the episode. I'm still going to make snippets for me to post on Facebook and LinkedIn and all the various social media platforms. So there's still a lot of work to be done. And I think that you know it's not uncommon for folks to start podcasts and pod fade by episode seven. And I think the reason for that is, is they don't understand the work and time commitment that goes into creating a quality podcast. They jump on, they record, they throw it out there, and they're not knocking down Joe Rogan numbers. So they're like, well, nobody likes my show. And it's just, that's not the way it works folks. I'm sorry, but it's not, I wish it was, you know, uh, even when I started my first podcast, I told my partner, I said, look, here's the, here's the deal, bro. We're going to do, we're we're looking at this from a five year plan. Where's the show going to be in five years? Well, the show's dead, but you know that's neither here nor there. But <laughs> but we we did about one hundred and fifty episodes of that show, so we didn't pod fade directly. Life just kind of took us in different directions, and that's how things play out sometimes. But again, folks jump into podcasting expecting to have all these big numbers, expecting to land all these sponsors, expecting it to be minimal work, but maximum monetization, and then they realize that oh man. It's kind of just the opposite of that. Yep. But if your expectations are set right out of the gate, then that frustration won't exist.
0: Right. All right, man. You just, you are I uh, loving this conversation because you literally just say something. I'm like, that's going to be the next topic, like monetization. <laughs> <laughs> Even the, the flow of the conversation, the energy, level, I love it. I love it. So can you talk about like, for example, if someone were to monetize a podcast, what would be a I don't want to say the best way, but a good way to monetize a podcast a little bit. Let's just say, for example, if you're putting uh, out of the month for, let's say, 10 hours worth of work and you want to get something out of it, how would you go about How would someone go about doing that?
1: Monetizing a podcast is something that can be done. Uh, but it's, it's most likely not going to be done out the gate, at least not for an extended period of time. Sure, you may be able to start a show. You may be able to land a sponsor. You may be able to read that sponsor off uh, during your show, and you think, ooh, I'm a pro, I'm a podcaster. I'm monetizing it at, uh, what, $25 CPM, something like that. So, uh, and, and for those of you that don't understand the, the CPM terminology, that stands for cost per melee. And melee is Latin for 1,000. So essentially, if you get sponsored, right, advertising in a podcast is done very similarly to the radio industry. It's per 1,000 plays. So keep in mind, if you think you're going to jump into a podcast, you're going to land yourself a sponsor, and you're going to make a lot of money, you got to have a lot of downloads to support that as well. Again, it's possible, but it's not the most profitable way to go about monetizing your podcast. One of the stances that I like to take with podcasting is that it can be used to already accentuate your business. If you're an entrepreneur and you have any business, I don't care what kind of business it is, that business and yourself can be complemented with the addition of a podcast. A podcast will increase your exposure in your industry. It will set you up as an expert in your industry And it's a built-in marketing platform for your business. So if you want to monetize your podcast, use your podcast to help monetize other aspects of your business or businesses. If you don't have a business, start one. Use a podcast to launch that business. When I came into podcasting monetization, I had the same concept. I was like, man, I'm going to get it on the radio. I'm going to be rock and rolling. I'm going to get all these sponsors and it's going to be great and I got one or two sponsors uh, for a little while, right? But, you know, even then, 50 bucks for a sponsor? I mean, is that money? Yeah, it's flash cash. It's always nice to have a little bit of cash coming in, maybe to take your buddy to lunch or whatever it may be, maybe <laughs> take your, your partner out to a great dinner. But for real money, you need, in and, and real monetization, you need to use your podcast to accentuate a skill or a service that you provide or that you have. And that's what I did to monetize my podcast. I do consulting for podcasting. Uh, I wrote a course for podcasting that I sell online. I wrote a book on podcasting. Uh, I have groups on podcasting. I moderate several groups on Facebook uh, on podcasting, which can lead to additional clients and lead to additional exposure. Uh, I also do artwork. I do podcast artwork. I have a graphic section of readily random media. So we design one sheets for speakers and one sheets for potential podcast guests. If you want a one sheet, we'll design you a one sheet that looks really, really cool too. Not some boring one sheet. I'm talking something really cool. So it's just, it's those types of things that you can use. Use the podcast to accentuate those business concepts.
0: So what the hell is a one-sheet for somebody who doesn't know? I know what one-sheet is, but somebody who doesn't know, what the hell is a one-sheet? Like, What do you what mean a is- one-sheet? you you get a play in one-sheet and you do something with it? Well, what is a one-sheet or one-pager, some people call it? Yeah, one-pager, uh, a, a marketing uh, kit, some of them are
1: called, uh, one-page, one-sheet. What it is, it's essentially a graphical resume for you as a potential podcast guest or even as a podcast host. If you're wanting to recruit someone to come on your podcast, you can use your one sheet to send that to them and demonstrate graphically your background. Your one sheet can have your uh, headshot on there. Maybe some previous uh, exposure on certain media platforms. Uh, Where can they listen to you? What is the name of your show? Maybe how many downloads you get? How many followers do you have on the various social media platforms? And, of course, a nice little bio about you as well. Now, there's a lot of companies that put these things together, but in my personal opinion, they do it in a very, very static, very generic kind of way. It's usually just an eight and a half by 11 printed out in color with some generic geometric shapes in the background to make you kind of pop off the page a little bit and a wall of text. My one sheets aren't anything like that. My one sheets are, I like to call them pieces of art because that's exactly what I treat them as. Uh, they serve the same purpose, but they have a very, very unique look, and you can check it out if you wanted to on my website at readilyrandom.com/slash graphics.
0: All right. So, can you give an example? Like, for example, your what bio do you have for your one sheet? So people get an example. Like, hey, maybe I should talk about that. Or if they want to go, obviously they can go to reallyrandom.com and then check you out. But if somebody wants, to be like, hey, I want to know more about Larry. What do I? What do I know about Larry? Like, in from, from based on your uh, one sheeter.
1: My one sheet really centers on what I consider myself somewhat of a subject matter expert in. So my one sheet revolves around podcasting. Uh, But whenever you're using a one sheet to get yourself on podcasts or recruit guests, you want to make sure that they understand who you are in the niche that you're trying to speak to or in the custom group that you're trying to speak to. So my bio consists of my podcasting history, podcasting experience that I have, uh, appearances that I've made on other podcasts, the fact that I've created courses, it also lists out are some, some specific topics that I'm always inclined to talk about. You wanna talk about course creation, I can talk about that. You wanna talk about keeping, launching a podcast simple, I can talk about that. You wanna talk about guesting on a podcast, of course, I can talk about that. So it's all of these bullet points that show, hey, if you wanna talk about this, here are some of my most common
0: topics that I cover when I'm on a podcast. All right. So basically, whatever you would add and then, you know, what I call is the midnight test, which is like, hey, if I wake you up in the middle of the night, Larry, and ask you about podcast questions, you'd be like, yes, do this, Mark. That stuff first, but don't do that because I tried it. It doesn't work. That would be it. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't name your show anything with the word random in it. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> All right, cool. All right. So what else is Larry really good at besides podcasting? Just as for my personal sake,
1: sure. I, I mean, if you want to look, uh, you know, a little deeper personally, uh, sure. again, I I love artwork. I love digital artwork. I love to draw. Uh, big time martial artist. Lifetime just about martial artist. Uh, I've got black belts in multiple styles. I still love the fight game. Uh, fighting is is kind of about the only sport that I care anything about, and I'm mixed martial arts specifically. You know, the UFC type stuff. Um, that's that's really. My only other interest outside of well, my wife and I have two dogs, and okay. I like long walks on the beach. Uh, okay. I like the sound of rain pitter-pattering on the rooftop as I eat chocolate-covered strawberries and sip champagne.
0: <laughs> you just—you just, you just <laughs> described the perfect date there. No man, uh, my DMs about to blow up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, I, I did not expect that, that's the beauty that's the beauty of the podcast is like you never know what's gonna go with like as compared to you know when you like the conversation part of it i love because some people just go with the bullet point question one two three and we're done it's like how are you gonna get to know anyone or have any good content from that three question or 15 question whatever and then after you do that for let's say five six times you as a person who's interviewing is going to get bored and the person who's answering it, they're going to see it. They'd be like, this dude is not even interested, especially if you're doing the video call thing, whatever. It's like, wow, mm-hmm. it's like it doesn't work. So you know,
1: I'll, I'll second that because when I first started Readily Random, I wasn't sure how to do a serious interview platform. I wasn't I, I didn't know how to go about it. So what I did is I, I looked out at other podcasters that were already doing it. Mm-hmm. And there's one podcaster. Very popular has a highly successful show that asks the exact same questions on every show, and he even says, "Hey, here's my questions if you want to use them." So what did Larry do? Larry goes, "Well, if it works for this cat, it must work for me too." I tried that for several episodes, and it was horrible. It was horrible because why? I'm not that guy, you know. That's not my style. I, I need to be me, and that's one of the biggest lessons that we all need to learn in podcasting: is be you. you be yourself be unique embrace your uniqueness and run with it and that's what people will resonate with
0: yeah absolutely man cuz when you are being you you don't pretend to be anybody else and you are 100% know how to be you and people either like you and love you or they don't like you and people who love you and love uh, like you and love you they're gonna be like yes i want more of larry or i want more of mark give me more of that and those are the people like those are the people that you actually want to go and create a podcast for so, exactly yeah <laughs> so all the different peoples that love you that you have interviewed what are the things that you have learned from them that you were like wow Thank you for being on my show. And I love so much about the the interview process. I learned so much from you. If you could think of anything.
1: Like life lessons or
0: life lesson, business lesson, anything in general. I think the biggest thing and something that I
1: still struggle with even to this day, and I know there are so many other podcasters that struggle with it as well, is the. um, I just lost the word. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm so scared of it, I forgot it. Here, let's try. Hopefully, you can edit that. If not, it's it's real life. It, it let's, let's go with it. Let's go with it because that's what happens. Where I was going was I was trying to get to imposter syndrome and it just left. It was just my mind went blank. But anyhow, again, imposter syndrome is something that I struggle with even to this day. I tend to ask, who am I to interview this person? Who am I to share a microphone with that person? And how can I possibly speak to this particular topic? And you find out that if you just accept who you are, you just move forward and you do it. Sure, you might make some mistakes the first couple of times. But guess what? You get better and better and better at it. And eventually that imposter syndrome will take a backseat to your professionalism.
0: I, uh, I agree with that. I used to be the same way. I'm like, who am I? To talk to somebody who's been doing it for X amount of years, or who am I to talk to somebody who has a seven, eight-figure business and things of that nature? They're not learned like one thing that that really comes my mind is like that person is just another human being. I'm a human being. We're good, <laughs> exactly, 100. And you know, I, I've I've spoken with a lot
1: of people over the years. Whether I, I've spoken with Super Bowl champions on my podcast. Uh, I had the pleasure of speaking to Mitzi Purdue of Purdue Farms uh, the other day. She's like a, a, she's literally a billionaire, like a multi-billionaire, right? So I'm sitting here talking to this lady that owns the Sheraton Inn chain. She owns Purdue Farms, you know, the chicken company. You've probably eaten her products before. You, I'm sure you stayed at one of her hotels before. One of the richest people on the planet. Here I am cracking jokes back and forth with her. That that was that was an intimidating experience because I'm like, how do I possibly talk to this person? I, I don't know that I can relate to a billionaire with a B, you know, I'm a, who am I to do this? And it was scary. But you know what? We had a blast. It was a terrific episode and I love her to death. I think she's a great lady. So uh, just just go with it, man. Just look inside, be you, run with it and just accept it head on. And I think you'll see tremendous results from it.
0: Absolutely! Don't you find it when you try to interview somebody who you thought, like for example, her, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, she's going to be this kind of personality and this kind of thing." And when they started opening up, you're like, "Oh my god, she's awesome!" And then what I noticed, like the more people who are successful or who are ahead of you, they will help you out more than people who are behind you because they know the struggle, they know what it takes, mm-hmm. and they they want you to be successful so much that they will do whatever they can to help you get there.
1: Exactly, exactly. And I've seen that more
0: often than not. And that's like the if you soon as but I what I find out is like as long as you can get yourself out of the way of your way, there are a lot of people out there who is going to help you and people who are listening to this show is going to find a lot of valuable information. Right? And then, you know, obviously they can reach out to you by going to reallyrandom.com and then ask you any question and things of that nature. Hey, one thing before we end the show, I know you got to go or you... Probably have a lot of things going on. I don't want to take you here for like forever. I know we could talk about this forever because the podcasting sure. is like where it's a really good topic. I love it. I'm so passionate about it and I could talk about it for days just like you. But I understand I respect your time. But the thing that I want to ask you is that I always ask before the end of the show is if you could give yourself advice or whatever, like let's say everything that you know up until now in your point. In your life right now, all the knowledge, all the bad thing, all the good thing that you know right now, if you were to give 21 year old version of yourself, the younger version of yourself advice to get to where you are now a lot faster, what advice would that be?
1: And stay focused. Stay focused. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie Up. And, uh, you know, the dog is always uh, with the old man, but all he ever sees is a squirrel. Every time they're just walking along, squirrel. Squirrel!" (laughs) And I was a big time squirrel. So I was always getting distracted. I was always looking for greener grass and uh, a better experience, regardless of what it was. Man, just focus in on your passion, on your drive and chase it and chase it incessantly and keep that focus.
0: Okay, fair advice, very good. I have not heard that one yet. I have so many different ones, but not that particular one. So thank you so much for sharing it. And then part two would be, what are you currently working on that you're so passionate that you get excited when you get up in the morning?
1: I'm currently working on, and I'll I'll let let the cat out of the bag here. Okay. A potential rebranding of Readily Random. So that's got me excited. I think I have a new name lined out. Uh, I've done my research. The name seems to work across the board. And now we're in the planning phases of potentially, the decision's not 100% made. We're probably 95% of the way there of a rebranding for readily random, so.
0: All right, man, last but not least. Right now, the floor is all yours. You can share whatever you want to share and then ask, tell people how they can get in touch with you and things of that nature.
1: Well, first and foremost, Mark, I want to say thank you for having me on the show this morning. It's been a tremendous pleasure. I'm always excited to get on and share what I've learned over the years in regards to podcasting and the podcasting space. Ah, uh, you can find me anywhere online on any of the social media platforms. Everything is consistent. Readily Random, uh, Instagram. Readily Random, TikTok. Even I wouldn't recommend TikTok. There's only like two things out there. I'm I'm a little old and gray to be doing TikTok, but I, I still say I'm going to. I don't know. We'll see. So you can check me out on any platform though at Readily Random. You can find me on Facebook. you can Find me on LinkedIn. Same thing. Feel free to reach out. Send me a message. Send me an email. Uh, at Larry at Readily Random with any questions or concerns that you have, and I'll be happy to help you any way that I can.
0: All right, man. Thank you for once again for being here. I appreciate it. Simple podcast team. Truly appreciate here, man. Thank you so much for being here. That's all I can say. Thanks, Mark.
1: Take care.